Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Coach Me Plus. Coach Me Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we are going to talk about the world of applied sports science with Stanford University in Strong by Sciences, Max Shamarzo. Guys, Max is going to start out sharing with us how he got into his role at Stanford, his voyage, and, and everything around what they're building uh, out there in Palo Alto right now. He then gives us a really candid and open look into how they make decisions as a program uh, and how it's encompassing with all of the different groups involved with the athletes there at Stanford. Uh, we then start talking about the role of teaching and learning um, in different realms of sport performance and how teaching and learning from each uh, different silo, if you may, really can have a positive impact on how we can better our athletes. And, you know, and then we finish out talking about Strong by Science, you know, what it is 
how it got started, you know, what really brought its inception and what the goal of it is. It's really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Max, thank you so much for being with us today, man. Thank you, Jay. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so listen, man, let's, let's, you got a pretty neat story with how you got out there to the left coast. So let's talk about that real quick and then let's get into what you're doing. Yeah, I was at Iowa State um, finishing up grad school and I have a little Instagram page. Um, and I reached out to Corey because I was coming back. I'm actually originally from the West Coast, but I spent my last six years in the Midwest. And I hit Corey up on Instagram and he said, sorry, Corey is the men's. Stanford uh, basketball strength conditioning coach. You just had him on, but for people who don't realize that's who he is. Um, I sent him a message and he was kind enough to just let me come over and say hi and he introduced me to some right people. And now I have the opportunity to work under Chase Phelps, who's the director of applied sports science at Stanford. And so it's Chase and I kind of heading up that regime right now. And I just got really lucky. <laughs> so I can say thanks to Corey for being nice. And um, I can guess give myself a little bit of credit for reaching out at least. Yeah, no, super guy, does super work, and then like we were talking off camera, like just one of the best people in the business when it comes to just being a real dude, man. 100%. So let's talk about what your role is out there, because I think this is something that we need to talk about, not just you and I, but probably with a lot of other people. Yeah, so what we're working on right now is trying to find ways to integrate sports science in an actionable way. Um, a lot of times in a big school setting, you'll have maybe 15 to 10 strength coaches, kind of depending on how big your school is. And then within that system, you have sporting coaches. So you might have three assistants per team. And then you have different directors of um, physical therapy, athletic training. So there's a lot of layers to the system. And as a sports scientist, we got to find ways to make things very direct, actionable, and precise. Um, give an example of that is that we have been working on certain screen methods and it's great for us nerds to go through like two hours worth of data. But Jay, you can say from firsthand that you don't have time to do that. It's like, it's, that's not applicable for you. But what Chase and I do, we get the information, we dive into the literature. We say, okay, what are we looking for? How are we going to look for it? We make a test. And based on this test, we're going to then have an immediate actionable outcome. So if this person scores here, this is what this means. If this person scores here, this is what this means. Now I can give that stuff to a coach and it is literally one exercise. So we take all this information, we kind of distill it and we say, oh, okay, let's try this maybe, or maybe this would be good. But on the back end, we're sitting there crunching through numbers, putting in work and we have to do that because as a coach, you don't have time. You don't get paid for that. <laughs> Let's be honest. It is the art of coaching. It's the art of coaching for a reason. We're here to assist and aid in that art of coaching. That's awesome. Let's break that down a little more. So when we're looking, let, let's go. I don't know if you can do this. Are you allowed to talk about like a specific test that you guys are doing? So I'll give you some some detail, not the whole sauce, but I'll give you some of, right. <laughs> some of the ingredients. Right. I'll give you a rundown of what we're doing right now. And um, we're looking at how to understand how an athlete moves in regards to, are they an elastic, stiff athlete? Are they more contractile, dominant athlete? What, predis what predispositions that might lead them to for injuries? 
Um, what specific areas in the body are those regions that need to be stiff, need to be pliable? So without diving into too many details, we're kind of looking at that right now. Um, from there, we said, okay, what are some tests we can do? Well, people have the RSI, right? There's stiffness tests, there's counter movement jump, there's single leg hop, there's drift protocols. There's like 20 tests. So we're like, okay, that's not really realistic for us to do. I'm not going to take 80 athletes and run them through you know, 20 different tests and come back to me in a year and might have some results. So we say, okay, let's go into the literature and let's really understand the underpinning mechanisms of what we are looking for. So for example, if we're looking for stiffness and how stiffness is related to contractile elements, we might dive into some of the tests, but then also get an understanding of why these tests might be good and bad, some of the pros and cons, and what they're really going to tell us. So for example, if I take a counter movement jump to a squat jump and I just say, oh, you know, someone can jump higher because they have a counter movement, so it means they're more elastic, right? That's not necessarily true possibly, right? It could mm-hmm. have to do more with muscle slack, rate of force development, pretension mechanisms. And so as a sports scientist or whatever you want to call me, right, I have to understand what those underpinning mechanisms are and highlight the specific variable I'm looking for. So if we're going into an overall kind of profile of how an athlete moves, we're going to have maybe six tests, but those six tests have been picked out very, very specifically. And we might throw one in there just for the hell of it so we can see what happens, right? Kind of our own little self-experimentation. But those tests, like, for example, we probably spent, gosh, I don't know, a lot of hours reading and talking, and we came up with like five tests and it takes seven minutes. We have one athlete kind of go through it. And we go and we crank out all the numbers and we kind of see, okay, was that a good choice on our part? Do we think we got the result we wanted? Um, based on the results, how are we going to apply them now? They're not just numbers, right? They're what we call like actionable insights. Mm-hmm. So what we get needs to be actionable. It's not like necessarily predictive data. Like sometimes you can collect data and say, okay, I'm going to collect it over a year and see what happens, right? We want prescriptive data. So you get a data and immediately it's actionable. Right. As if you're like, I don't want to use the word prescription because I get some medical terms. Right. But like, right, you prescribe an exercise to the athlete based on that immediate outcome. That's awesome. I love that. Let's take two steps back to when you started talking. The first thing that you brought up is that you were looking at specific questions. My question with that is who's driving the questions? Is it you guys? Is it sport coaches? Is it the S&C staff, is it sports medicine? Is it yes, all of the above? All of the above. So I'll give you an example. We had a meeting with all of us in there. And we said, okay, what are some things we want to work on? What are some common injuries that we've had in the past? And as a coach, because ultimately they're the ones <laughs> making the money, what do you want, right? The head coach is typically the top dog in all the situations, right? In the day, if they want to do something and they want to make their athletes condition for nine hours because they're mad at them, they condition for nine hours because they're mad at them. Right now, it's our, um, I guess, our goal then to assess um, what we can do by talking to them and then figure out from there with the strength coach or, or even the sports med staff, how can we help them apply it? Because ultimately, we're not there for 32 teams. I can't be there and be like, oh, here's this to exercise then let's do it so we got to find ways to make it very very easy to communicate 
but also very, very potent in what we're giving them. No, that's awesome. I love the fact that you can get everybody in one room and talk about that. So how often do you guys have these like King Arthur's courts meetings? <laughs> um, it depends, right? Certain teams, um, I came in a probably month and a half ago. We've had a couple, but it, like I said, it depends on the coaches, their staff, how they want to do things. Um, there's a lot of people doing a lot of jobs at a collegiate level, and I think you're, you can attest to that. And to have everyone even in the same time zone at once is difficult with everyone traveling. Um, so we have them when we can. Um, but we also have smaller ones too, right? It's not necessarily like we need to have everybody here. Maybe the strength staff will talk to the coach or maybe we will meet with the, um, sports med or even just casual communication. Like as you're passing by, it makes a big difference if you actually take that communication and use it, right? Instead of going by and saying, Hey Jay, how you doing? I say, Hey Jay, how are you doing? How the guys look, you know? And we just have a small five-minute conversation, and those kind of conversations accumulate over time. No, 100%. And I think that all of these things need to continue to drive discussion. So let me ask that. How is it continuing to draw? How is one meeting and one battery of tests or whatever you're looking at driving these decisions as they move forward? Yeah, so we'll have the tests. And then based on our test, the strength coach will make, or the head coach, whatever, will make their um, specific decisions. All right. And then we talk to whoever that coach was, how are we going to analyze it? Right. How are we going to figure out whether or not what we did was effective? Because ultimately, yes, we want to be effective, but we need to know if it sucked or it didn't suck so we can make it better. Because at the end of the day, I don't care who you're talking to, we're all taking a best guess. Right. Yeah. Well, we're, we're all reading stuff or like, hey, you know what? I think that sounds good, but we need to measure it because if you don't measure it, you don't know if you got worse or if you got better. All right. So having that simple uh, I don't know, chronic assessment, something really easy, like, hey, take two jumps and we'll see what it was. Or what was your HRV or um, what was your total train load on GPS? Right. Taking those simple things we can analyze will help continue to drive that discussion because it's always going to be there. No, 100%. So then the one variable that's the hardest to take care of is W's and L's. <laughs> so how, yes. how does that play into the discussion with the sport coaches? So I can't speak for all sport coaches. I've only been here right for a couple. Right. Um, ultimately, healthy players are better players. Right, and that's first and foremost. Um, what the coaches do and how they coach, I have all the trust in the world in them. Right, they are professional coaches for a reason. I am not. Um, so wins and losses, obviously, they are there. But from our sports science side, yes, we can't take a win and say we did something, and we also can't take a loss and say we didn't do something. We have to be as objective as possible when it comes to our assessments. That way we don't fool ourselves into thinking we're doing something right. And we also don't fool ourselves and think we're doing something wrong. Um, so there's kind of a one-off there. And that's kind of really where a difference is between you know, the coaching staff and we are a support staff. right? So we are doing our best 
objectively to help them. Now, whether or not we can definitively say we're doing anything at all, it's hard to, right? We're a really small piece of that pie. Right. Um, Right. But like when you look at things and let's say that you were asked to evaluate something, mm -hmm. you came up with the evaluation, you came up with the protocols following the evaluation, and you found improvements on what you were asked to improve for. Now, what happens if the team is not successful? Oh, it, when teams aren't successful, no one wins. Right. <laughs> it's just the nature of the beast. Right. Um, we can have measures, we can have metrics to look at what we tried improving. But then that may lead us to another question, what else is lacking, right? It's going to continue to drive that discussion of, okay, we took care of this. That might have been important, but maybe uh, it wasn't the most important, right? Maybe we had some other things flare up that we could have prevented, but we didn't see at that moment. But now after covering up this initial gap, we have a new gap to attack. So it's kind of this naturally um, evolving, kind of like amoebic in nature kind of process where there's never stuck in one position. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's an absolutely awesome answer because it's, it is really hard because you can sit here and you can provide whatever is asked of you and you can do whatever you want. And this is for anybody in any support role. This isn't just what you guys are doing or what Corey's doing or what your sports med staff's doing. At the end of the day, the kids got to go out there and win the games. And it's, that's the, the hardest variable is the human variable when it comes to connecting all of these. Yes. No, so, it's, uh, go, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 run with it. I was going to say, no, that's 100% true because we, I know Chase, my director, takes a lot of pride in being human. Chase is one of the smartest guys I've met, hands down. And you know Corey. Corey's one of the most personable, likable individuals. He'll meet as well. Um, but to not get detached from people, because Chase is actually the men's strength conditioning coach for soccer. I think they're back-to-back -back national champs and whatever. And He's been through that, the ropes and whatnot, and he knows the importance of, yes, numbers are great, but humans are better, mm -hmm. right? That's going to be the driving factor behind everything. So I can give you all the numbers in the world. I can give you a 20-page spreadsheet. Here's the perfect workout, right? If you can't communicate it or I can't communicate it or the coach doesn't trust me, what's the point, right? It's useless. So that human element is going to be the most important element behind anything we do, because at the end of the day, Jay, you and I are humans. Mm -hmm. I need to talk to you. If you don't like me and I'm smart and whatever, you can just flip me off and ignore me, right? <laughs> but if you like me and I'm maybe half as intelligent as I think I am, right, then we can actually talk and we can build something from there. So now where do you see this program moving forward? For? For you guys. Like, how do you feel like, because right now, this seems to be in a really good place where it comes to understanding the big picture of it. What's next for you guys? Because it's, it's an ever-expanding process. Yeah, I think um, we're technically the department's pretty young. And I think as it grows, you'll get more integration with different sports, Um Chase, the director here, is going to get more headway in certain areas, and he'll develop relationships with, obviously, coaches that maybe we don't work with as much or 
as much as they would like for us to work with, blah, 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 whatever. And maybe eventually developing that into a larger staff, hopefully for him. So he has more, I guess, like, you know, cronies or minions that he can uh, send around to do things. Um, Cause ultimately right now it's just me and him. And before him, before me, it was just him. And if you can imagine being one sports scientist and yes. dealing with like 24 teams, yeah. I walked in there and I was like, Chase, I, I've learned, put it this way, I've learned more in the first couple of months here than I probably learned all grad school because you really learn how to handle yourself as a person, put it that way. Because when you're dealing with that, you have to find ways to make yourself accessible to coaches, but also you have to find ways to make it livable, right? You can't be 36 places at once. And so I've learned from that standpoint of really what it means to be an applied sports scientist, right? And not to get too off the rails here, it's a little different than what you see in private practice, right? Private practice, you'll see like seven coaches and seven athletes, right? And maybe even more sports science. You'll have like five coaches to one athlete. Here, it's like two guys, 24 teams. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, yeah. It's great. Love it. Completely love it because it really, really makes you understand your material and why you are doing something. You don't have the luxury to waste someone else's time. Yeah, 100%. So how then you broke down the research aspect of each of the evaluations that you do. Because there's so many sports and some that are so unique at Stanford, how does... Now, you might not even work with some of those teams, so this question may just be like, well, we don't have to deal with it yet. But how does the uniqueness of each of those sporting exercises contribute to this process as well? Yeah, that... <laughs> is that next exactly. step stuff kind of next step but it's part of what we're doing now right um it's always in the back of our minds we're talking about okay how do we deal with overhead athletes versus collision athletes versus repetitive ground contact athletes um thankfully chase has been here longer than i have so he has some ideas of how he's been wanting to do that um it's kind of my role then to help sift through some of those ideas mm -hmm. um but it's really understanding, like I said, the basic elements that make up human movement. I am kind of lucky. I have an athletic training background. I'm ATC. Um, I did that in my undergrad. I played basketball in Division three in college. So I understand, I like to say, understand sports and what it's like to be a college athlete, which I think is really important. Um, so not to get too far off the rails, but having that anatomy background kind of helps me, at least, understand, okay, what might... I'd be looking for um, right away with these certain athletes. So I kind of skipped some of those elimination processes that I might have otherwise if I didn't have that at least some level of anatomy, athletic training, dealing with preventing injuries and whatnot. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the, the episode that's going to air right before this one, we talk about how all of that stuff when it comes to like PT – PT should be learning from strength coaches and strength coaches should continue to learn from PTs. I think that that, that pendulum has kind of swung a little bit to the left when it comes to some strength coaches with PTs. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that's just how it is right now. And I think though that in a, a person in that position, if you can't 
put on the glasses and see through those views in all of those different spectrums, you're really hamstrung. So I really think that that's a positive for you. It's really nice. Um, obviously, I'm biased because I am one. <laughs> right. I'll be first to admit it. But Chase and I have two very kind of distinct backgrounds. They're very different. And it just happened to be when we came together, we complement each other very well in that sense that he has internal loading metrics. He understands large-scale applied sports science. He has this and this. I'm From my background, it's much more, um, you know, what are specific factors occurring at the tendon and muscular junction that's going to be driving performance and stiffness, blah, blah, blah kind of deal. Um, so to have more minds with different backgrounds would be even better because then we could have multiple lenses we can look through. Obviously, we're a little limited with just two people, but the sports med staff is kind enough to let us annoy them at times and <laughs> ask them questions. And right, the strength coaches like Corey and all the other guys there are completely open for us to talk to them about, hey, what's your opinion? How would you do this? Would this be reasonable? And that helps us gather insights, basically putting more tools in our toolbox. So when we go back to work with um, our, you know, putting our tests together, how we're going to analyze things, we now have a better understanding of not only the specific mechanics that we're looking at, but who we are dealing with too, All right. No, 100%. And it helps when you have a guy who's as open and creative as a Corey Schlesinger to just be like, yo, dude, so, yeah, this. And have him just be like, all right, well, we're going to try to figure that out with this toy today. And whether it's awesome or it blows, I'm going to put it on Instagram and everybody's going to know we either thought of something really cool <laughs> or we're really not that smart right now. you know. And he just doesn't care, which is the best part of it. No, it's awesome. But I got to say, too, I... The whole strength staff that I've worked with, they've been awesome, like all the above. Great people. And um, the fact that they are just that open makes it easier. I've been in other um, programs that I didn't work in directly, but I've heard horror stories of where people aren't very communicative. <laughs> they don't like to talk, right? Um, it seems like at Stanford here, all the strength coaches that I've dealt with, everyone here has just been very awesome. I mean, there's no way to put it. And so Corey's a great example of it, yes. But to not give those other guys a shout out, I'd feel like I'd be letting them down a little bit. So well, that's right. I'll give them credit where it's due. Yeah, man. It sounds like an awesome situation. So listen, we're, I'd be remiss if we uh, if we didn't talk about those three letters on the left side of your shirt, my man. So <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about strong by science, so people understand that are listening. You know. Who Max is like what what this thing is that you got going there because there's some there's some cool products you guys got there's some there's a whole bunch of things. Yeah, so uh, long story short, Strong by Science is my Instagram page that kind of went off the rails and got more popular than it should be. Um, I have a girlfriend who is sick and tired of me telling her about strength conditioning stuff. She just hated. I mean, I love her to death, but she's like, okay, Max, I don't care about tendons anymore. So I made the Instagram page and... Wait, you just said anymore. So you mean at some point she cared to hear you talk about tendons and stuff. Well, you know what? She might have acted like it. You know what? Sometimes I can't tell the difference. And so to me, it was fine. You yeah, know, that's the awesome. She was like, this is really cool. <laughs> She's a nurse. So she does have some at least human anatomy background. So like at first it might have been kind of interesting, but... 
<laughs> it got to a point where it was like, Max, put your books away. I'm done with this. Like, <laughs> this is too much. That's great. So I made the page, um, and it kind of blew up. That wasn't really my intentions. And my background is, um, the page stems from my background. So I am a low-level athlete. I'm not genetically gifted. I struggled to touch rim all through college basketball. I call that a testament to my shooting capabilities. You'll not find a guy you can shoot better than me. You can ask Corey this. Send Corey a message when you're done. Ask him if Max sets his feet on a jump shot. It's pretty much automatic. Um, you can send him a message. He knows. He knows exactly. Um, so I'd always worked really hard, though. and I never got anywhere. And I was like, man, I must be doing something wrong. So I think naturally that drove me to my academic background where I was doing um, a lot of research and whatnot. And I thought research was really confusing and not very applicable. And eventually I made the Instagram page, which had the kind of application of research and different ideas. Um, from there, it kind of took off. And then Matt Van Dyke and I wrote a book on applied principles of optimal power development. And again, that kind of stemmed from my ability to not be athletic <laughs> and so i read all this stuff and next thing you know i put on like seven inches on my vertical and i was like oh my god it works <laughs> like <laughs> science does something um and being like i said a low level athlete for that many years it was like a gift from god kind of deal where i can dunk a basketball just when i want to now um so we made the book and a lot of it kind of stems from my research that i did in my graduate school which was force velocity profiling um, so yeah, sorry to get a little bit on a tangent there, but yeah, no, just that's awesome. science and how you use it and some thoughts on it and it's supposed to be as unbiased as possible and I post stupid things every now and then. So <laughs> no, man, the, the page is rad and it's awesome. Matt is all over the place. Like he's like, he's like <laughs> kind of like the, like the silent ghostwriter that like his name pops up everywhere. He's, he's in a chapter in the manual volume two with Cal. He wrote, Triphasic for lacrosse mm -hmm. with yep. Cal. He wrote the book with you. It's like Matt just like pops up all over the place. And it's just like this Matt, dude's big time. He's the most organized human ever. I, I love working with him. I'm a mess of chaotic thoughts. Like, oh. It's just like nothing's organized. And funny, when we were writing the book with Matt, Matt calls me and goes, Max, I don't think the book's going to work. Because your ideas don't make any sense. They're not organized. And, and they're all over the place. You keep adding stuff. And it's never going to turn out. I said, Matt, believe me. Take a breath. Like They'll come together. Eventually, we got it to work out. We're kind of on the same page. Now. We actually have another book coming out. Awesome. Um, When's that? Uh, it's gotten a little hung up. Our first draft is done. And then I started working here. And I'll admit it. I didn't really put the effort to finish out the first draft. I got to take a couple pictures, and but it's actually really close. So next two months, kind of thing. Awesome. Um, it's on the isometrics for performance, um, kind of evidence-based approach, and we dive into the literature of isometrics, how you can utilize them, and again, a lot of that came from the book we made. We had that post-activation potentiation stuff in there. Um, and then people started asking me questions, and I was like, oh, gosh, there's so much depth to isometrics that we don't really talk about. Uh, I thought it would be a cool manual about how to, you know, what are isometrics, what are the different physiological aspects of it, and, and you know, it's kind of nerdy for me, but it should be cool. I think that that's <laughs> awesome, though, man. Like, the whole idea, I mean, like, obviously, like, triphasic 
exploded, mostly because it just makes sense, and it's really easy to put together. But I think that what a lot of people keep coming back to and keep talking about is that isometric phase and how important that is and how the different aspects of it, whether it be teaching or strength training or tissue remodeling or whatever we want to talk about with it, is just so vital especially with a lot of these freaking kids that we get that are 18 to 22. Exactly. And, and they don't know how to lift weights. So it's like, it's so big time. I'm really stoked to check this out. So here's one of the things I kind of stemmed it all. I'll give you a kind of a nerdy rundown of how this all happened was we were diving into um, vertical stiffness. What does vertical stiffness mean? Where does it come from? And we kind of started talking about muscle slack and Franz Bosch's stuff. And then from there, we dove into, um, I, I dove into some of the literature and it came across the isometric training really affects tendon stiffness and that tendon stiffness then affects vertical stiffness. And so if you can improve tendon stiffness through a non-pounding plyometric movement, right, maybe isometrics can be used in season in a way to maintain um, your integrity as well as working as a cortical inhibitor. So it allows you to deal with tendon pain at the same time. Um, it just has a huge ripple effect of all these things we can put it into. And it's just stuff I didn't know. I was like, this is awesome. I got to write a book about it now. Yeah. And if that right there isn't reason enough for people to pick it up, then I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, go, ahead, go ahead. No, because that's just it. It's like all these things that it's like you just said in one sentence and it's yeah. like, boom. And it's like, there's going to be a ton of pages in it and it's going to be practical information and it's pick it up yeah thank you so what matt and i try to do when we write our books is we try to give principles right i i like plans but i'll be the first to admit i pick up verkashansky's book last page how am i gonna jump you know 80 inches you know what's his plyometric workout and i i, I i'm always hesitant to put that in there because then i don't read his stuff and then i'm like well my stuff didn't work because i didn't read any of his book i was being an idiot um and i jumped straight to it so our goal is to make it principle-based so that once you understand the principles, you can develop the program how you want to develop it. All right, so you are the coach. I'm not going to give you a template. I might give you a template to give an example, but the principles themselves are what's going to guide you and me and anyone else when it comes to coaching. So how the hell should I tell you how to coach your athlete when I don't even know your athlete's name? Yeah, no, man, 100%. And that's awesome. Um, I'm stoked to check it out, man, and I really am thankful for you to spend the time with us today max this is awesome bro people are gonna love it thank you thank you hey all right i appreciate it jay yeah man and then strong by science and what's the website is it the same strongbyscience.net net. make sure people check it out we'll, we'll link all that below uh-oh Corey's getting yeah, a shot right now yeah and, uh, I gotta, <laughs> i'm coming back after core i'm gonna let yeah. him know today he had the wrong answer yeah well listen man i appreciate the time and we'll be in touch real soon brother I really appreciate it, Jay. Yeah, thank man. you. Thank you. And a huge thank you to Stanford University's and Strong by Science's Max Shamarzo for sitting down with us today. Guys, absolutely killer stuff. A look into a an actual applied sports science program and, and kind of given the play-by-play of how they do things. Can't thanks, cannot thank Max enough for being so open, honest, and candid, you know, with everything he shared with us today. The whole idea of bringing people together to talk, to figure out what they need from them, and to build a program is absolutely fascinating. And I can't recommend you guys follow 
uh, Strong by Science on Instagram enough. He puts out some really awesome stuff. So if you're on if you're on the gram, make sure you check that out. As always, guys, I hope you enjoyed the talk. And if you did, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. We're, again, we're just trying to get great information out to all the great coaches out there. And if you did enjoy it and you wouldn't mind giving us a review on iTunes or Podomatic or giving us a rating, I would greatly appreciate that as well. And as always, guys, thank you so much for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.